So you sleep in different bunks in different cabins and all night long you don't sleep for the first two and a half weeks. I said, why? Because you figure you're going to be dead the following morning because you've been taught to hate your entire life. So there's a kid from Palestine over the top of you, says a kid from Israel, he's gonna stab me. A kid from Afghanistan said the same of a kid from Pakistan. I said, so what happens? He said, Welcome fellow humans to the Public and Permanent Podcast from IROC2.org, a collection of stories shared by you every week to help develop our digital consciousness, cultivating a productive, positive, and powerful global village. I am your host, Richard Gary. Let's go. So I'm fortunate enough today to have Dr. Michelle Borba with us to really talk about stories. Uh, the whole point of this podcast is to tell stories and she has no shortage. Um, but the hope is that we will use this time to really tap into Dr. Borba's knowledge. And I am going to basically turn it over to Dr. Borba for story time. Uh, this is an absolute privilege and I love doing this because there I have this honor of being able to fly all over the world uh, at the invitations of countries and during this time I've been able to just pick up unbelievably simple things that going oh my gosh what a profound concept that is but it's also meshed with the science probably the most powerful thing of the place I've ever wanted to go to I started in 1990 by, I think, one of the most amazing visionaries. His name was John Wallach. And John Wallach was an AP Wire reporter that was always covering the peace accords in Washington, D.C. And at one point he said, this is just fruitless. The adults will never get along. What we've got to do is put our, our time and energy into the kids. And if we could teach children how to empathize with each other across digital divides or across bridges or whatever and, and barriers... Maybe that's the best piece that we have for the world. He decided to create a camp. And at that moment in Washington, D.C., all the ambassadors signed on and said, let's do it. And it's called Seeds of Peace. Now, the goal of it is if you're a kid and you're a camper, you go there. And if you're trained the right way, when you leave it, hopefully you'll become a seed for peace, advocating for peace. Now, here's the mystery and wonderfulness of it. It's in a, a wonderful place called Otisville, Maine, right on this absolute gorgeous shoreline, if you can imagine. The second thing is that the campers are 14 to 16 years of age, prime years, because they've discovered that's when moral identity is so just crucial in terms of creating, for making for kids. But where these kids come from is the real wonder and just miracle. They're chosen by teachers because they're kids who have leadership abilities but they may be lacking the skills to help them empathize with each other. So teachers choose them and they arrive very late at night at this camp, not knowing anyone, their cell phones aren't allowed, and they come from Israel and Palestine and Jordan and Egypt and India and Afghanistan, Pakistan, United States, can you imagine? And now for the next three weeks, they walk into this camp and stay there with the most extraordinary counselors that you can imagine. They're, they're trained in empathy and they are kid champions. When I talked to the kids, I spent a whole day at this camp and every child told me 
the place was transformational. It was impossible to leave the camp the same way you walked in. I said, why? And then each kid said, your heart just opens. All of a sudden you discover you're a new person that you never realized before. And so I, I began to ask the why? What is it about this place that makes it so transformational? And each one of them began to describe almost the same thing. The first thing is they said, you're kind of scared when you arrive. And I said, why? He said, well, because they don't let you stay with your same nation. They mix you up. So you sleep in different bunks in different cabins. And all night long, you don't sleep for the first two and a half weeks. I said, why? Because you figure you're going to be dead the following morning because you've been taught to hate your entire life. So there's a kid from Palestine over the top of you, says a kid from Israel, he's gonna stab me. A kid from Afghanistan said the same of a kid from Pakistan. I said, so what happens? He said, well, slowly along the way, they keep mixing you up. You don't eat with the same kids, you, you don't canoe with the same kids, but they also, at least three times a day, help you start, have meetings. So they teach you dialogue sessions on how to listen to one another without saying but. Every kid said it was the first time they learned to listen. They learned that you could disagree, but you had to figure out how you had common grounds with the other person. The probably the most amazing moment that just changed my life was when this child from Afghanistan was uh, said, there was this kid from Pakistan. I just, I couldn't stand him. I gotta tell you, I really had some problems with him. We never saw eye to eye. But almost the last thing they had us do was sit in this circle and one by one, you're supposed to describe your deepest fear. I said, well, why was that so important? He said, well, I was listening to the kid from Pakistan and he was telling us about his deepest fear, which was coming home from school each day. Sorry, I, this coming home from school each day, wondering if my family was still gonna be alive. Hmm. Coming home from school each day, wondering if terrorists had blown us up. Wondering if I'd ever see my mom or my dad or my sister. I said, well, what was so impactful about that? He said, I couldn't sit. I had to run out and I started sobbing. He said, that was just like me. That was the exact same fears I have. And that's what's so special about this place. You learn we, not me. And you learn how to figure out how we're alike, not different. I, I walked out of that camp thinking, my gosh, what a miracle this place is. But that's what we all need. We're, we're at a point right now where we're polarized. Uh, where we are probably more global than we've ever been. Where our children are growing up in a very diverse world. And we must help them learn to see the, the we in a person and not the me in yourself. Wow. Uh, I think I know a few politicians that could probably should go to that camp. <laughs> My uh, I think goodness. We all, a lot of adults should go to that camp. And every kid said empathy is what is all about this place. Empathy is what we needed. And empathy is the one thing we'd never been taught. And you don't learn it in a textbook. You've got to be able to experience it. And that's what they're teaching us here. The, the most amazing thing about this is that they've been tracking these kids for 30 years. This is a University of Chicago study. It works. These children go back to their country. And I think they're the best hope we have because many of them are now an elected official. They are the leader and they still are advocating for peace. In fact, the camp has figured out how to keep them connected they go home and their biggest problem is their parents their parents still don't 
buy into the other person or the other country or see the we, but the kid does. And the kid continues to be the seed of peace the rest of their life. Wow. That's incredible. So, so how long were you visiting this, this camp? I was there one full day and I could have spent the rest of my life there. I had interviewed, I had gone to New York City and interviewed the camp directors and was so passionate about it. And then I got on the phone and started interviewing former campers who each one of them said that they were lifelong friends with the person who was once their enemy and they've continued to bond. The stories were miraculously wonderful. Then I started reading the research about it and then I realized I have got to figure out how to get to this place. When I was invited, it was probably the best invitation I've ever had in my life because I just sat there absolutely uh, in awe. And then I realized the most important takeaway here is that empathy is teachable. Yeah. When the one child was listening to the other child and realized just how much they did have in common, I mean, that's, oh. you know, walking a mile in another man's shoes, as they yep. say, right? That's exactly it. Um, that's exactly it. And wow. I guess that's the first takeaway because I, I sat there going, my gosh, there's so many simple little things that we can do as parents and teachers. And the first one you just mentioned, and that is from this moment on, when your child starts talking about a difference in a person, stop him or stop anybody in your family and say, so what do you have in common? Let's find the commonality that we have. Uh, Stop the stereotype because stereotypes do nothing but blow up into hate. We know that. And that prejudice just keeps just mushrooming. But you stop it and the track by saying, check that. When your child says, you know, all homeless are, or all Asians are, or all blacks are, or all whites are, check that. Give me an instance when that's not true. And what it'll do is it makes your child stop to realize that is a, a bias statement. And I've got to check that. Yeah. What, what do we have in common? I what do we it. have in common? It's so simple. Because a very important point is that we're more likely to empathize with those like us. Our race, our culture, our age, our income. So how do you help us empathize with those like who are them so them becomes us? Mm-hmm. Museums, I think, are powerful. Right now, you can also do virtual field trips with many museums that are offering them. Find, a, find one museum that maybe is a different culture that your child hasn't been exposed to, or you're hearing them having a little bit of bias about it, so they're, so they're more aware, aware of it. Uh, museums are powerful. I was just going to agree on a, on a personal on a personal note. We went to the um, the Holocaust Museum in Washington D.C. Oh. You know, not that long ago, and you want to talk about, I mean, uh, breathtaking, eye opening. There's no word I can put to it. The impact it had, not just on me, but on my children. Did you go to Daniel's room? Daniel's Story is the Holocaust Museum's primary exhibition program for young people and their families. The exhibition tells the story of one family's experiences during the Holocaust from the perspective of a boy growing up in Nazi Germany. The exhibit was created with the help of a team of experts and has been reviewed by child psychiatrists, educators, and museum interpreters. Through the years, since its inception, it remains one of the museum's most popular experiences. Yeah. Yes, we that did. was the place that was so similar to me uh, where you actually uh, walk the shoes of a child named Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it, and I, I, I go there, every time I go to Washington, D.C., I purposely go to that museum just because I, so I can walk behind some kids and hear what they say by the time they get to the final room. Because 
it's so set up, so empathically built of walking into the other shoes. So it starts with Daniel, who's around 11. Here I am telling you something you already know. But no, it's all right for the listeners. Yeah, it's great. It starts with Daniel, who is around 11, and you're actually walking into his world during World War II, but you're seeing his room. And the right. first thing you a see is, room. oh, there's my room. Yeah, I got a room like that. I got a bed like that. And then you're seeing his pictures of his family. Well, that's kind of like my family. And then you're going to the next room and, oh my gosh, he's got books and he has games just like me and his school. Well, that's just like me. And you're always also along the way reading Daniel's diary, which is along, just brilliantly just photographed along the way until what you begin to see is the change as you're walking. That everything gets a little darker. You you actually feel air coming in. You're not aware of it, but it's a little colder. Uh, and then it gets more and more dismal. And then you see the yellow stars coming up and you see signs that you're not allowed to come to the dentist anymore because you're a Jew. And then you see a suitcase where Daniel and his family have to pack until you finally get to the last room. And it is a camp with barbed wire and families or kids along the other side Every time, by the time I get to that camp, I hear kids going, oh my gosh, I hope that's not Daniel. They're actually sobbing until you finally get to the final, final room where they've left all these beautiful just um, pens and paper to write a letter to Daniel. And I've taken pictures of them because one of them always says, Daniel, I got your back. I'll never ever let you have this happen to you. You didn't deserve this, Daniel. We're gonna fight for you. And it's just so powerful as the kids walk out with Kleenex and sobbing. Like, now there's another empathy built moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's one thing to hear about a story. It's another thing to literally walk through it and realize how much yeah. as, a, as a child you have in common. And again, you don't have to go to the museum because another way to help kids journey into another world is certainly through books. Yeah. Our, our goal is to expose our children, though, to differences. So maybe as a parent right now, you can sit and you can look at the kind of books or films your children have been exposed to and say, are there different genders? Are there different races? Are there different cultures? I mean, reading the book, The Hate You Give, one one teen said, that was the most impactful book that she's ever read. You've got to read this book. I sobbed my way through that book going, oh my gosh, there's so many powerful books, but expose your children to differences through books through museums, through your own friends. When this is all done, you ask yourself, who are my friends? Because my children are watching me. Mm-hmm. How can I step out of my own comfort zone and expand my own horizons so that my own empathy opens? Yeah, that's a fantastic uh, lesson of the day, ladies and gentlemen. The lesson of the day, empathy. If you're um, finding you or your children have bias, instead of asking what's different, why not ask what's the same? That's it. And that's how we create bridges and not barriers. I love it. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for the story today. That was that was incredible. And uh, we're going to actually post a link, I think, to some virtual museums to the website when this goes live. Oh, great idea. Thank yeah. you so much. It's been an honor. Well, an incredible thanks to you for taking your time to share this story and this lesson with us today. Cheers.
I just want to thank you all again for the privilege of your time. I want to thank the amazing Dr. Michelle Borba for her valuable insight and time today. We also want to thank everybody who submitted a voicemail and email to be on the show. We are reviewing all of your stories and we will be in touch. If you like what you hear, please be sure to follow us and like us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can learn more about the podcast, including how you can leave us a voicemail or an email to be on the show where people can share ideas, thoughts, stories, and support, as well as learn more about some of our featured guests and downloadable documents and other information we'll be providing as the season continues. For all of this information and more, please visit our website at www.iron.com rock two i r o c the number two dot org forward slash podcast thank you all so much again for listening i look forward to telling you more stories and hearing your stories remember you're listening to this on a tool that connects you to billions of people so use that tool to be amazing be well friends cheers